Hello, thank you for joining this bonus episode of Body Liberation for All. This is a replay of a webinar that I did in December, and it's still relevant now, of course, because we're still in the thick of body hatred season. In a recent episode, a guest mentioned that dieting and being preoccupied with the body is actually a really powerful distraction from other stressors in life. And I hadn't really thought of it as being a coping tool in itself prior to that person mentioning that. So it really makes sense now with that added layer of understanding that so many people as we're dealing with the stressfulness of being in America in 2020 and 2020 Part B, aka 2021, it makes sense that so many people, while we have such serious things going on around us, are still interested in the escapism that dieting can offer. Now that really isn't the angle that I was focused on during this webinar. It's more connected to my usual themes. I hope you enjoy it. Remember, there are one-on-one coaching spots open right now. If you're ready to start doing some work around body image and you're more interested in feeling at home and having some kind of sense of peace inside your body, than you are in changing your body size right now. One-on-one coaching would be a great fit for you if that is where you are. That link will be in the show notes. All right, let's get right into it. Yeah, they might try to put you in a box. Tell them that you don't accept. When the world is tripping out, tell them that you love yourself. Hey, hey, smile on them. Live your life just how you like it. It's your party. Negativity is not invited for my queer folk, my trans, people of color. Let your voice be heard. Look in the mirror and say that it's time to put me first. You were born to win. Head up high with confidence. This show is for everyone. So I thank you for tuning in. Let's go. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited about this. There will be more live streams in the future. This is the first one, hopefully, of many. So our intention today is to look at the concept of decolonizing our body image, the way we relate to our bodies and the way we see our self-worth through Eurocentric lenses can be very, very damaging, but you don't hear a lot of people digging deep on that subject matter. So we're not going to spend a lot of time worrying about the origin because that information is available everywhere. What we don't focus on is the outcomes. What are we living with now as a result of colonization? Over half the world was colonized. And that sounds like a lot, but if you really look at it, this information is easily accessible. Everyone was affected by colonization. So to presume that there's anyone in your life who hasn't somehow been impacted by the damage that colonization did is a little naive. And don't feel bad if you're under that impression. Just be aware that the damage is so pervasive. It's only natural if you have some resistance to the concept, there's so much of the information that we're given and that we're focused on in education 
really plays down the damage that it did. So history is heavily influenced by the people who win the conflicts, the people who are in power. So if you are not part of that population, if you're not a direct descendant of a colonizer who presents as such, then your experience is different. But the educational system is giving you a narrative that is more edifying, let's say, for people who are of privilege, for people who are presenting as white. And not only does colonization damage the way that people of color perceive themselves, it also affects everybody who's LGBTQIA+, because that heteronormativity, the mythic norm that is cis, white, heterosexual, and male as the standard of authority and goodness and worth negatively affects everyone who falls outside of that norm. One of the most interesting reactions that people have to oppression is turning it in on themselves. So this is where I want for us to start today. And number one, let's make the distinction between what is oppression versus discrimination. So discrimination is everywhere and it can affect everything from the region of the state that you live in, the region of the country that you live in. Maybe people don't have a high opinion of Southerners, for example. But if you are discriminated against, you have recourse within the legal systems around you and within other systems around you to defend yourself. Oppression is a really extreme version of discrimination in which you don't have recourse because the people that are discriminating against you, that are affecting your ability to live well and to have equal access to all the things you need to thrive, have also blocked your ability to get help and get protection and to defend yourself. And typically in situations like this, what it requires for the marginalized person to get that protection and that defense is something major, like a revolution, like a major civil rights movement. It isn't something where you just go somewhere and submit a complaint and you can expect to be backed up. You can expect to be validated. And everybody has seen this play out in the States. We see a clear difference between what is discrimination and what is oppression? Some people do not have access to obvious systems that give you some way to respond or give you access to recourse when people are blocking you from things that you need for health and happiness. So oppression is pervasive and profound. And one of the most insidious things that it does is the way humans respond to it is we internalize it. So if we're continually told a lie about ourselves, a lie about a group of people that we belong to, instead of just naturally rejecting it because we know our own worth and we don't question our own worth, what happens when these negative opinions are all around us is that we take it in. And we don't question it. If you are told something from childhood, if you're sent a message via all forms of media, through every cartoon you ever watched, every young person magazine you looked at, like I'm thinking YA, I'm thinking young miss in my childhood. If you keep seeing that beautiful people, people that are interesting, people that get to be on covers of things, people that get to have leading roles are not the same complexion as me. Their hair isn't curly like mine. They are in very small bodies. 
they're very straight. They're very heteronormative. There's no gender queerness. There's no androgynousness. Seeing all of that sends you a message that you can't help but take in unquestioningly because of how pervasive it is. So don't judge yourself and do not beat yourself up when you find internalized oppression in yourself. When you find that you believe something negative about, let's say your hair being automatically unprofessional because you think professional hair is straight and tidy and is very different from what naturally comes out of your scalp. If you find yourself looking for ways to modify yourself to improve what is natural about your physical body, the best thing that you can do, the best place to start is just with awareness and questioning. Because internalized impression is really unquestioned negative assumptions we have about the groups that we belong to, whether that's being LGBTQIA+, whether that's being a person of color, the key to working on this is to start noticing. And there are a number of things I want you to just sit for a moment and see if any of this rings a bell. These are great examples of internalized depression. Have you ever seen a person with very dark skin and a person with very light skin coming into an establishment for customer service or assistance of any kind and noticed that another person of color served the lighter person first. Did you question that? Did you think, oh, that makes sense because maybe this darker person is going to be more aggressive. They're going to be more disagreeable. They're going to be more ratchet. If you have an assumption like that come up for you, well, that's conditioning and that's an example of internalized impression. Colorism is one of the really nasty ways that internalized white supremacy plays out in communities of color. If you've ever been ashamed of a relative strong accent that made it clear that English was not the first language, if you felt like that was somehow embarrassing or you were afraid of being criticized or made fun of, that's another example. If you've ever considered bleaching your skin, or if you told yourself you weren't bleaching it, you just wanted a brighter complexion, but you also knew full well that in your mind, brighter was also lighter slash better. That's another example of internalized depression. Have you ever straightened your hair because you thought you would be more appealing to employers if your hair was not naturally curly or naturally kinky? Have you ever called somebody's naturally kinky hair good hair in an effort to give them a compliment, but simultaneously insulting yourself and everyone else who has, let's say, 4C hair, which is a very tightly coiled kinky hair that we see a lot in the African diaspora? These are all excellent examples of internalized white supremacy, internalized oppression. If you're a trans person and you say you just really don't like hanging out with trans people, you don't have any trans friends. That's another example. Don't judge yourself, just observe. We just want you to become aware of it. And then question, why do I think that way? And where did that come from? And for now, that's all you have to do. The concept of undoing 
thought processes that are so deeply ingrained can be very overwhelming. So you want to make sure you're not pushing yourself very hard for quick results and for you to completely change your perspective on a dime. It took a long time for you to internalize these beliefs. It may take a while and it will take some work to purge them from your system. But the good news is there's a lot of things we can do to help this work along. An important thing to remember is you have everything that you need inside of you. So don't worry that there's somehow a way for you to be so deeply damaged that you can't recover. That's not true. Or so deeply damaged that you won't be able to figure out a way to deeply accept yourself and love yourself and return to yourself. You absolutely can. It is just a matter of time and giving yourself that gentle push, that continual focus, treating yourself as though you're speaking to a best friend and your self-talk is one of the best things you can do in this work. If you had a friend that was struggling with self-esteem, you would never rag on them and tell them like, you're so stupid to not understand your value. What's wrong with you? You would never say that. So don't say that to yourself. Treat yourself as a loved friend. Speak to yourself as the way you would speak to your best friend. That's really, really crucial. Be gentle through this process. We don't have to push. You don't have to go any faster than you are comfortable going. So once you start to notice these assumptions that don't serve you, I want you to start looking at ways where you also are participating in objectifying yourself. Self-objectification is what you do when you look at your body as though it were a collection of parts. So we see this all the time for people who are assigned female at birth. Misogyny is ever present on the planet. When you look at advertising, you see that women's bodies, people assigned female at birth frequently are broken into parts. So even if you are someone who has a ton of access to money and privilege and you presented as close to that mythic norm, so you're cis, you're white, you're het, but you're male, I'm sorry, but you are assigned female at birth, you're cis female, you are picked apart. So it isn't that Jennifer Aniston is a beautiful woman, you always hear She has a beautiful this, a beautiful that. You'll hear actresses picked apart for maybe having like a strange toe, just one strange toe. And you're trained to see your body as a collection of parts, to not see yourself as a whole. This is one of the biggest issues that you want to hone in on as you try and repair your self-esteem and your body image. You are not a collection of parts and expecting individual pieces of your body to be a certain way is very damaging. Even though we already established that it takes years to take these things in, your first inclination again might be to judge yourself for picking your body apart. Your job once again is just to notice when you're doing this. And to notice who in your space does the same thing and encourages you to stay stuck in that, to stay stuck in that space where you say, oh, I just have the weirdest toe. Oh, I just have the strangest fingers. My fingers are so fat. Oh, I just wish my nose didn't curve at that point. If my lips could just be a little thinner, just criticizing your body 
piece by piece by piece and being around other people who are doing the same, that's something you want to become aware of and guard against. So guard your space and set boundaries when you find that there are other people around you who are engaging in, talk about wanting to fix minute parts of themselves and always focusing on the body as though it's an object. Bring that up to that friend, to that coworker, to that loved one that I'm really just trying to work on speaking about my body in a loving way. And that doesn't work for me right now. I, I, can we talk about something else? Not making them feel guilt or shame for engaging in that negative self-talk, but just letting them know this isn't where you want to focus your energy. And if it is hard for them to stop, it's okay to give yourself some space. So once you establish the boundary and the person continually, maybe unintentionally, focuses on those things, you can just start excusing yourself. And you may want to reiterate the boundary if that is comfortable for you. If you feel comfortable saying once again, you know, oh, here we go again. We're kind of sliding back into this negative self-talk. I don't think that's healthy for you or for me. Can we talk about something else? And you can come right out and say, I don't want to cramp your style. I don't want to be a downer. If this is really what you want to talk about right now, I need to excuse myself. I need to do something else. This doesn't feel good for me. Setting that boundary will be so, so protective. But in setting your boundaries, remember that we're influenced by more than just the people around us. We're influenced by our media. We're influenced by the shows we decide to watch, the Instagram feeds we go through, the things we see on Facebook. And because so many of these algorithms are so responsive, even if you linger over an image, even if you don't like it or engage with it, you will be fed similar images. So if you find that you have a lot of people that you follow that put aspirational beauty standards in front of you who don't represent a lot of body diversity, different sizes, different heights, different ethnicities, different hair colors, different levels of physical ability. If you find that all you have in your feed is that aspirational mythical norm, you need to go through your feed and establish boundaries there for yourself as well. And look for the type of language that you find in the feed as well. If you have someone who is glorifying Eurocentric beauty ideals above all others, explicitly or even just implicitly, you don't need that person in your space. Guard your space and be careful about allowing yourself to only be exposed to images of people who are beautiful by standards that in no way link to you and your experience. So even if you're not to the point that you're comfortable creating community in person and connecting with other queer folks and people of color, look at how you can bring that energy into your space long distance. How can you bring that energy into your space online. Who else is out there talking about making room and safe spaces for everybody? Who else is out there talking about valuing the whole person, not parts of the person? That is the energy and the information you want to bring into your space. So I want to 
make sure that we're keeping this interactive. Thank you so much, Liz. Yes, make sure your feed isn't toxic. That's exactly the way to phrase it. The amount of influence that what you see and read has on you every day is tremendous. So guard your psychological space. Part of oppression really is its continual physical and psychological abuse. Do not participate in your own oppression by objectifying yourself and exposing yourself to that toxicity willfully, because there are plenty of times when you absolutely cannot control what comes into your space. But there are plenty of opportunities to exert control over your space. And you want to take advantage of that and try and balance the amount of toxicness you're exposed to with the amount of healing content that you allow into your space. And honestly, these days, so many people are on fire for self-acceptance, for inclusion, for absolute freedom, that it's easier to find these spaces now than ever before. On my podcast, I'm constantly bringing people in, and the podcast is Body Liberation for All, who have found safe spaces, or if they couldn't find them, they created their own safe space where they can start to experience a level of self-acceptance and freedom that prior to establishing that, they didn't even know was possible. And remember, when we're talking about accepting the body, that does not mean saying that you're never going to modify the body because in a lot of body positivity spaces, that pressure is there to understand that you are more than your body. You see that in spiritual spaces too. Oh, you're more than your body, so why should you modify it? It's just a vessel. The truth of the matter is not everyone is cis. If you are not cis, accepting yourself means accepting that your assigned gender and your true gender are not the same. So really working with accepting your body when you are trans also means accepting that there is a difference between what you are assigned and who you are and deciding how you as an individual want to navigate that and not allowing anyone to make that wrong. Some people are going to need, want, feel called to gender affirming surgery, and some people will not. And it is no one's place to decide which is right or which is wrong because it's very individual. And how you will come to that realization about what is right for you is going to be connecting to yourself and looking inward for guidance. And it will also be very helpful if you have decided to get gender affirming surgery or if you've decided that as you go through your transition and you're taking hormones and your voice is changing and your body is changing to really avoid objectifying yourself and picking your body apart piece by piece by piece. Because what is put out there as the standard for femininity and the standard for masculinity is very limited and If you know who you are, 
you don't have to comply to someone else's definition, someone else's limited, very binary definition of what is masculine and what is feminine and asking for permission or finding a way to prove that you fit the qualifications so that you can assume a label that you already know to be yours is extremely draining emotionally. And transitioning is already going to be a lot, a process. And there's no need to add that layer to it. So a big part of that is going to be, again, finding spaces where people are affirming, accepting, and moving beyond their very limited concepts of beauty and acceptable ways for a body to be. You don't have to earn your worthiness. It's intrinsic. And that fundamental belief is the biggest key to working through your issues with body image, is knowing that however your body is, however you exist in this world, that doesn't determine your worthiness or your acceptableness or your ability to find love, give and receive love. However your body is in the moment, it is acceptable. It is acceptable. And if you are on your way to wanting to change that body, wanting to modify that body so that who you know you are is more of a match as to who you present yourself to the world to be so that you don't feel like you're living in this binary gendered persona that isn't you, it's okay to not be at the end point of that process. Where you are is okay. And it feels awkward sometimes acknowledging that we can be in flux, we can be in process, we can be in a transition, and also be able to accept the reality of the present tense and accept that wherever we are is fine. And you don't have to hate where you are right now to be able to continue changing. You don't have to hate anything about yourself to be able to continue changing and working toward being in a more aligned place. And again, if you don't feel there yet, or if that doesn't resonate with you, don't beat yourself up. So much of this experience and so much of this work of self-acceptance and decolonizing your body image is very individualized. Anyone who offers to work with you on these kinds of issues, if they position themselves as an be all end all authority, I say run. If they position themselves as a guide that wants to help you connect to the wisdom that you already have, that is who you want to work with. Because in the end, you have all the tools that you need to get yourself to the happiest version of yourself, to the most aligned version of yourself in your life. Now, one of the biggest things for me when it comes to learning that beauty comes in a million different forms and just a Eurocentric beauty standard is limited. It isn't that people of European descent are not beautiful. Of course they are, but so is everybody else. And we, we center all of our media on just these very narrow definitions of beauty. We're missing out on so much. Able-bodied 
bodies are beautiful. Disabled bodies are beautiful. Large bodies are, thin bodies are, everything in between, all the different colors, all the different hair textures. Draw that into your space. Draw that into your social media feed. Start appreciating, celebrating, and getting accustomed to seeing different kinds of bodies. It's okay if the first time you see a body that is a lot like your own, you don't see the beauty. It's okay if you have trouble understanding that, but keep exposing yourself until you can understand that what you are looking at is beautiful, that your skin color is beautiful, that your gender representation is beautiful. And if the word beauty doesn't resonate and isn't something that you would ever want to be connected to, Replace it with a term that feels right for you. Maybe your goal is not to achieve a beauty standard. Maybe what feels right for you is handsomeness, is being dapper. Maybe that is a better vibe for you. Connect to that. Pull that into your stream. Check out Pinterest as well. If you are, for example, a transmasculine person, there's so many awesome Tumblr pages, but Tumblr, I don't know. It's not what it used to be. So try Reddit, try Pinterest, look for things that you think, oh, if I clothe my body in that way, I would feel the most comfortable. I would feel like who I am inside is what everyone else is seeing. Find the language that's comfortable for you and build up a routine of continually exposing yourself to the images that resonate and make you feel the most validated. That will do wonders for how you perceive yourself. All of the years in the 80s and the 90s where we just, you know, got bombarded with images that weren't affirming and we didn't have to consent, we didn't have to seek these things out. Those days are largely done and over with if you decide to opt out. All it is going to take is a little bit of awareness and a tiny bit of effort. Honestly, once the desire is there, you're practically done. And once you get to the point where you feel comfortable setting boundaries with people, you know how you want to perceive your body, you know how you want people to talk about bodies, to not pick them apart, to accept them as whole, and to not see everything in a binary limited way, and to not see everybody through a white lens and value proximity to whiteness above all other things, to elevate the beauty of and celebrate the beauty of fair-skinned Black women with loosely curled hair over the beauty of dark-skinned women with tightly coiled hair. Once you've already worked through all of that and you're ready to move through to one of the most powerful steps, which is to take your healing process to community. One of the things that decolonization, I'm sorry, that colonization did to all of us is it interrupted the relationship that people of color have with themselves and with each other. And as you work through that and letting go of values that are not a fit for you, you will be drawn to doing your work, doing your healing work, doing your personal growth work with others in community and finding safe spaces 
And knowing how to set boundaries is crucial though to that process because you will not find perfection in community and everyone's in a different stage of their journey. If you have a strong moderator, a strong gatekeeper who's working to maintain safe spaces, you'll be so much more protected when you seek that out. I I can't speak highly enough of the amazing things that happen when people of color and queer folks come together to focus on being themselves and feeling as free as possible in an environment where there's low to no judgment. If anyone around you has a story to share about communities that are enjoying right now, really tune in to what they've found in that community that has made it safe for them and made it a really healthy growth environment and see if that resonates with you as you sense from within what is important to you to find in those spaces. So what I want to put out there for everyone today is that I am creating, like so many other people, safe spaces for people who want to do this work. There's several ways you can connect with me and I am building a community of people who want to live well in a way that resonates with them, live well in a way that pulls from their deep internal ancestral wisdom that doesn't invalidate their food culture, that doesn't invalidate their comfort with perhaps being in a larger body. Finding spaces like that, especially in healthcare and fitness and wellness coaching, they are pretty hard to come by. But as my podcast expands and as I continue to develop community, I'll be connecting people in the audience to other healers of color, other queer healers that are building spaces that will probably resonate with you as well. The best way to get in touch with me is to check out the link in the description and book a discovery call. If that sounds like too much work, don't worry. Just text me your name and your email address. I will add you to the mailing list and we can set up a call if you want to know what it's like to work with me one-on-one. And if you want to know about the community that I am building now that's focused on BIPOC health and happiness and LGBTQIA health and happiness. A lot of times in communities of color, you don't see people making a lot of room for different kinds of folks of color. There's still that emphasis on heteronormativity and that emphasis on being good, worthy, and beautiful in a very white informed way. So you will not find that in spaces that I guard very serious about keeping my spaces safe, inclusive to all kinds of folks of color, regardless of your disabilities, regardless of your orientation, your gender presentation. We make room for everyone and in fact, center the space on that marginalized 
experience, that dual experience of being both queer and a POC, because we are very underserved. So (laughs) there's a major need for that. And if you haven't already listened to the podcast, you really need to check it out because honestly, I'm so proud of it. So it's Body Liberation for All. It's available anywhere and everywhere you get podcasts. You can subscribe in there, or if you want to keep things super simple, you should just get on the mailing list and then everything comes straight to your inbox. And if you're already watching this on YouTube, just make sure that you hit the bell when you subscribe so you get alerts every time there's a new episode or there's a new live stream. I really look forward to hearing from you and knowing what your questions are about really making this practical and tangible for you. So right now we're focused on the mindfulness. That's your biggest step. That's your assignment for the day to go out into the world and start listening for the biases that you have against your marginalized identities. Just look out for them. And then once you start to see it, we're going to work on moving beyond that. I have multiple practices that we can use for learning to value the ancestral wisdom that you have inside your body and the beauty that your ancestors passed on to you. Know that you are worthy and you have so much to share with the rest of us. Removing those blocks is going to be a blessing to you and a blessing to everybody around you. I hope to hear from you soon. Have a beautiful rest of your day.